0: Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Today is a very special episode of Locked On, Zach. I am joined today by J.J. Jackson, who hosts the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It is the first Locked on, crossover locked on episode that I have done because there are not a lot of teams that Gonzaga <laughs> plays that also have locked on podcasts. But of course, Duke and the Blue Devils do. JJ is here. We're going to preview this super epic game coming out on Friday evening. JJ, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you uh, being here.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, Andy. Excited to be here. Excited to kind of merge our shows together. I uh, want to welcome in all of my Locked On Blue Devils listeners as well that are listening to us. As uh, What a fun game we've got. This is our Friday episode, so tonight a big-time game being played between Duke and Gonzaga. So I can't wait to break it all down, man. I think we're going to be in for a amazing contest. And uh, got to credit Gonzaga for the schedule <laughs> they're playing I know the WCC is something that is always brought up in conversation when we get towards NCAA tournament time. But Gonzaga is making sure there is no questions Mm -hmm. about the validity of their team with the schedule that they're playing.
1: Yeah, it's fun, too, because, you know, the WCC has stepped up um, really a lot this season. Obviously, BYU and St. Mary's both picked up wins over Oregon, which uh, was helpful. BYU picked up a couple other nice wins. Uh, It's been It's been good to see the rest of the conference pick things up. But yeah, like you said, Gonzaga didn't want, they didn't want to have to rely on those other teams. They said, we're going to go out, we're going to play UCLA, we're going to play Duke, we're going to play Alabama and Seattle, we're going to play Texas Tech, we're going to play Texas. Like, we're just going to get as many of those top tier games on the schedule. I think the staff did a good job of knowing, timing it right with as good of a roster as they have this year and scheduling it out and saying, this is the year. Where we're going to really push for it, and yeah, they're they're not leaving a whole lot of doubt at this point that their uh, their schedule's not going to be holding them back.
0: Well, let's keep jumping right in against the crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network between the Blue Devils and the Zags. The way this works, we'll go back and forth. I'll ask Andy a little bit more about Gonzaga, so the Duke fans can get a better idea of uh, what to expect from the competition. In segment two, we'll flip roles where Andy will question me about the Duke Blue Devils, help Gonzaga fans get a better picture about Mike Krzyzewski's team going into year 42 at Duke, and then uh, we'll close it out by talking about some of the things at stake, some big matchups, and that sort of thing. So, Andy, as we continue to look at Gonzaga, the big game this week for them also – was number one versus number two as they took on UCLA a little bit earlier in the week, a game that everyone was looking forward to. Dick Vitale was back on the call for ESPN, which was absolutely epic. We had a rematch of last year's uh, amazing Final Four game and uh, just an overall fun game to watch Mm -hmm. as someone that doesn't have a dog in the fight. What did uh, you learn about Gonzaga in the rematch?
1: Yeah, I think that was a fun game for everybody except UCLA fans to watch. Yeah. That one got it got a little ugly for them right away. Uh, yeah, it was a, a fantastic performance from the Zags. Jumped out to a thirty three to thirty three to twelve lead. Never, never relinquished it from there. They ended up winning by twenty. I was surprised. Obviously, UCLA Final Four team last year returned, if I remember correctly, ninety four percent of their minutes from last year's roster. So basically, the exact same team uh, that they just. I think we, what we saw from Gonzaga is the defense that Mark Few has been touting as being as good as he's ever had before is really truly there. You know, we they haven't played a cup, They have played a few not so great teams so far this season. They played Texas, but there was some question of whether Gonzaga's big win over Texas had more to do with a young team that had a bunch of transfers that hadn't really played together all that much. Uh, but then in this game with a team as experienced as UCLA for Gonzaga to to clamp them down the way that they did really kind of demonstrates how good. This team is defensively Chet Holmgren, obviously a tremendous, huge part of that with his rim protection, even if he's not directly blocking shots, the impact that he has on the game, the UCLA's players unwillingness to go all the way into the paint after getting blocked a few times early in the game. We saw them settle for a lot of kind of ugly mid-range shots, which has been a part of their offense in the past. If those who watched that Final Four game may remember that they hit a lot of those shots in that game, but this was a, an incredible defensive team, and I think that's, uh, that's what they really proved against UCLA.
0: Watching the game, did you feel like it was more of an effort from UCLA to get to the mid-range area and shoot, or was that more of a defensive uh, idea that Gonzaga implemented to try and force them to shoot from there?
1: Well, what I was surprised by, uh, I'm not surprised that UCLA didn't try to go all the way to the paint. We saw them do it a little bit early. Uh, they were missing Cody Riley, who's one of their big men. He's a, a big part of their team. I don't know that it would have made a difference in terms of a win or a loss because right. I don't know that he's that good of a player, but he was he's very talented and not having him hurt. But the first few times they went in the paint, It didn't go well. They either missed at the rim. Chet did finish with four blocks, so he got a few of them. But then after that, we did see them start to settle for mid-ranges, which, again, I think is partly just what their offense does. That's what Johnny Juzang is very good at. That's what Yaquez is really good at. So that's kind of what they do. But I was surprised they only took 12 three-pointers. Gonzaga's perimeter defense is good. It's not elite. That's not their strength. Their strength is obviously their defense on the interior. And I was surprised to see a team that going into this game was shooting well over 40% from three Tiger Campbell was shooting like 60% from three going into the game. Jules Bernard was 50%. And then they only take 12 threes. Now I only made two of them. So they might've just been feeling really off that night, but that was more my surprise for me. I wasn't as surprised that they didn't go down low because they just didn't have the personnel with Riley out, but I was surprised they didn't try to take more shots from beyond the arc.
0: Duke basketball fans are obsessed with recruiting. And uh, with that being said, Uh, Gonzaga's got a good recruiting class right now, and obviously Chet Holmgren, the top player in the country, someone that every school in America, including Duke, really was hoping uh, would land on campus. Big matchup come tonight between Bancaro and Chet Holmgren. From the outside looking in, it was a bit of a slower start, it appeared, for Chet Holmgren. A lot of that had to do with, hey, Drew Timmy is here as well. Mm -hmm. you got to figure out the right way for those guys to play together. But it really felt like he was coming to his own his own in the UCLA game. Is that what you picked up on or how would you assess the first couple of games for Chet Holmgren's college career?
1: Yes, a little bit. I I do think that he, he was having more of an impact in the games in the previous games than it was, than was showing up in the box score. Uh, I think, you know, certainly uh, most college basketball fans probably didn't watch all 40 minutes of Gonzaga versus Texas state or Alcorn state or Bellarmine, which is totally understandable, but even against Texas, you know, he finished with two points, five boards, and I know people looked at that box score and thought, oh, wow, that's a bad performance from, you know, a player of his caliber. And I 100% understand that line of thinking if you didn't watch the game or even if you just watched highlights of that game, because every highlight was Drew Timmy because he scored 37 points in that game. But for Chet, his impact on the defensive side has been monumental in every single game that he has played, regardless of whether it showed up in the box score. I believe against Texas, they took 15 percent of their shots at the rim when he was in the game and 55% of their shots at the rim when he was not in the game. So that kind of difference is is staggering even if you you know he only had the two points. I think the nice thing about Chet as a basketball player and as somebody on this roster is that he doesn't he doesn't seem to have that complex where he needs the ball in his hands to score. He he kind of lets the game come to him pretty organically. And so when there was a game plan against Texas where Texas' strategy, Chris Beard, the coach there, likes to try to take away the middle of the court. And for the Zags, that's where Chet Holmgren likes to play. So what they did is they just found ways to get Drew Timmy the ball more creatively, and it really flummoxed the Longhorns, and they couldn't figure out how to stop him. So they just kept doing it. And so for Chet, he didn't need to keep getting the basketball. I think if he had tried to, like, hey, I want to score more in this game, it would have thrown the Zags out of the rhythm. So that's something that I really like about him and that Gonzaga fans, you know, the way he's really endeared himself to their community is because he seems willing to just do what needs to be done to get a win. Having said that, I think he was, he needed to have a big game against UCLA if you if he struggled in the box score against Texas and UCLA there'd be a lot more question marks coming into this Duke game going forward in the season but for him to come out put together a big game have the 15 points have the highlight reel behind the back you know dunk have all those kinds of plays I think really helped establish that hey there's a reason this guy's the number one you know recruit in the class and going to be a top three pick in the 2022 NBA draft and he he picked the right the right time to really finally kind of make sure everybody knows that
0: Some of those highlights were absolutely crazy, and you're right. The biggest stage, one versus two, and a 20-point victory for Gonzaga. Duke basketball, uh, their social media account, let it be known, the assistant, uh, assistant coach Nolan Smith, let it be known that on their flight out to Las Vegas, they had the game pulled up as all the guys on the flight were making sure they were tuned in to Duke and Gonzaga. You're listening to a Locked On crossover edition of Locked On Blue Devils and Locked On Zags. Let me get one more question in here before we get a little breather. Uh, Andy, when we talk about Duke and Gonzaga over the years, for Gonzaga fans, when you think about these schools going back and forth, it's not fair to call it a rivalry. They haven't played that much uh, Mm -hmm. in history. Is the... The Maui Invitational title game from the Zion Williamson year is the 2015 Elite Eight. Or do we go back to the mid-2000s from this cover of Sports Illustrated when you had J.J. Redick and Adam Morrison side by side? Like, What are the first thoughts that you think come up more frequently when you think about Duke and Gonzaga?
1: Well for me certainly that 2018 2018 game comes up it's the most recent game obviously for Gonzaga fans it's one of the more the ones that we prefer to remember as opposed <laughs> to many of the other ones that didn't go in our favor uh, obviously Gonzaga basketball has been you know good for 22 years that's how long they've made the tournament but they haven't been this they haven't been realistic competitors with a school like Duke for until the last five, six, seven years or so. 2013 was the first time they were ranked number one. Since then, they've pretty consistently been one of the top 25 or so teams in the country. So any games before that, I think a lot of Gonzaga fans, not that we don't count them. Obviously, when Adam Morrison was on this team, we were very, very talented. But I think that that's kind of when it really felt like this was more of a, hey, we could really take this game any year, whereas before it was like, it'd be really cool to win that game. Uh, Obviously, 2015 was a disappointment. That That was a bummer. Uh, I think it was one versus two in the Elite Eight, a really close game that came right down to the wire. But 2018 was was an incredible time for Gonzaga. I think obviously playing against Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, that roster. And at the time, Gonzaga, I don't know that we quite knew what we had on our roster. So I think it was really shocking to see us pull off that victory. Brandon Clark had a great, great, great game. Rui Hachimura was kind of having his his final breakout really establishing who he was going to be as a star. And so that, that game has holds a special place for me. I remember it very distinctly. I'm sure Duke fans remember it for different reasons as well, (laughs) but that game really stands out to me.
0: I need you to comment on Adam Morrison and JJ Redick. Then you brought up the other two. So, so what do you remember about those days and sort of that fun battle back and forth?
1: Yeah man you know I I was um I I wasn't in college yet so I hadn't I hadn't gone to Gonzaga I live in the Pacific Northwest but I didn't live particularly close to Spokane so I didn't have a super vested interest in the Zags yet but I remember those teams I remember that uh, I remember JJ Redick and Adam Morrison I remember having them on video games obviously when I was in high <laughs> school and playing that a lot that was kind of my my strongest memory of them uh, Morrison obviously was it's so rare to see a player kind of dynamically take over the college basketball space the way that he did. And then obviously Reddick was kind of next in a long line of fantastic Duke players, but the way that he, you know, the way that those two guys took over is it's so great. Cause I know there's stories about how they were just kind of like friends and there wasn't this like heated rivalry between the two of them, but it was like this big media story about these two dudes, great shooters, great scores, you know, similar games in a lot of ways. It was, it was a really fun time
0: alongside Andy Patton, the host of Locked On Zags. I'm JJ Jackson, the host of Locked On Blue Devils. And coming up in just a moment, Andy's going to ask me the questions for both listeners, for both fan bases, to get to know the Blue Devils a little bit better ahead of tonight's big-time game. It's number one versus number five. It's Duke and Gonzaga from Las Vegas. But first, I want to let you know about our very good friends over at NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours but on your backswing, your hat falls off over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software to see the full picture. You've got to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite and right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash locked on ncaa It's the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsweep.com slash locked on NCAA for a special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Netsweep.com slash locked on NCAA.
1: All right. Welcome back, y'all. I'm super excited to be here with JJ Jackson, locked on Blue Devils host, talking all things Gonzaga Duke, heading into this great. Black Friday matchup on Friday evening. The first thing that I want to talk to you about, JJ, before we get into some of the actual gameplay stuff, there's been some talk on college basketball Twitter, on the social media about the timing of some of these games, specifically the late starts. Uh, Obviously, for West Coast people, a game like Gonzaga-UCLA, you kind of expect that it's going to start a little bit later because both those teams are from the West Coast. The game was in Las Vegas. That makes sense. But I, you know, there's obviously been some, a lot of people who don't watch a lot of Gonzaga basketball. I believe part of it is because of the East coast, uh, just because they don't watch, you know, who's going to watch a game at 11 PM when Gonzaga is going to beat the university of Portland by 37 points. I understand that it's not something that people want to do, but I wonder how much you think that has an impact on people's perception of Gonzaga, uh, of the, the program in general, as they kind of continue to try to, to get over that final hump and win that championship.
0: I think all of it is very fair, uh, Andy, speaking for someone that's been an East Coast guy my entire life, Mm and uh, knowing how late those come on, knowing uh, in the state of of football, as we're here in the heart, and and you think about this weekend being Black Friday and all the great rivalry games in the sport that Mm -hmm. take place tomorrow. I think the Pac-12 has been hurt uh, by Mm -hmm. sort of the College Football Playoff Committee decisions or even the NCAA tournament because those games do start so much later. It's unfortunate that we're in that position, but I do think it's absolutely fair to say that. The fact that Gonzaga is playing the schedule that they are, however, I think there's got to be no question about their validity, the run they had a year ago before ultimately losing in the national championship game to Baylor. This team is legit. Like, I I don't care – what conference Hmm. they're in because they're truly proving that, uh, look, we're going to go play a top schedule and then on conference because that's what you've clearly asked for. Speaking Mm -hmm. to the tournament committee, who's obviously uh, knowing what a lot of basketball folks are asking. So uh, the start time, it is what it is. You're going to be on one Mm -hmm. coast versus the other. It's the holidays. People could stay up a little bit later (laughs) for a game like this one. You're competing with the NFL as you are Thanksgiving week. Uh, but uh, look, it's it's no football tonight, so make sure you check out the big game between Duke and Gonzaga.
1: Absolutely, love the love the salesmanship on that <laughs> game. Um, next question, obviously, uh, the the big story out of Duke uh, for coming into the season, throughout the season, is the the finality of Coach K's career. Obviously, a guy who's been there for an incredibly long time, won so many championships, one of the most accomplished college basketball coaches of all time. I'm curious your thoughts on the kind of way that this has been rolled out, the announcement about his uh, his retirement, obviously there's been some criticism from some folks, some celebration from some other folks. Uh, do you feel like it's something that is in any way distracting to the team or do you feel like it's something that, you know, this guy's been a phenomenal coach, we should celebrate this, we should talk about this all the time because it's Coach Krzyzewski, he's kind of an icon of the sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be somewhere 42 years is just mm-hmm. unbelievable it's to incredible. think about. I mean, my entire life being born mm-hmm. in the 90s, Mike Krzyzewski's mm-hmm. been the head coach of Duke. So uh, when we get to next season and John Shire takes over, mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to be like because yeah. my entire existence, and I speak for many, 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 Duke, the entire roster right now, they don't know what Duke basketball is like yeah. uh, without Mike Krzyzewski leading mm-hmm. the program. So I do think uh, in that perspective, things are going to be – very different. A distraction is something that Duke fans were worried about when the announcement mm-hmm. was made, but also I think they were okay with because they knew it meant that we would get to recognize Mike Krzyzewski for everything he's meant to the sport. No one has had more wins in NCAA basketball at the Division I level than Mike Krzyzewski. No one uh, has has been to as many great moments that he's had. Uh, throughout his entire career with the five national championships, the 12 final fours that he's led Duke to. I think he deserves to be celebrated in the way that he has. And given Duke's play in the first six games and listening to the team speak, I really don't think, Andy, they're making it that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe it at first. I was like, are you sure? Like, surely there's something to be there. But once you see them play out there on the floor, they're not thinking about the fact that, hey, come March, it's going to be it for Coach K. They're thinking about the fact that the ball went up in the air, the score is zero to zero. Let's go win a basketball game, and that's the last thing on their minds when the game is actually being played. Which is a great thing because it's not affecting the product on the floor.
1: Well, speaking of getting getting to the actual game play, let's talk about that. We got Gonzaga Duke. Obviously, the biggest matchup, unquestionably in this game, is Bancaro versus Chet Holmgren, uh, the two superstar freshmen, both players who were recruited heavily by Duke and by Gonzaga. One chose Duke, one chose Gonzaga. Now they get to face each other. It's going to be a super epic matchup. I my main question for you is: Do you expect them that to be the actual one on one matchup defensively? Do you think Bancaro is matching up with Holmgren? How do you think Gonzaga, or excuse me, how do you think Duke attempts to stop Drew Timmy in that regard? Is it Mark Williams on him? Do you do we see Duke trying to do some? different things defensively maybe go zone or so far nobody teams have tried every team has tried a different way to stop drew timmy and chet holmgren and there hasn't been a ton of success duke far and away of the teams gonzaga has played has the most size the most physicality of anybody that they will probably face the entire season until we get into march so i'm curious what you think their strategy is going to be to try to stop those two big guys
0: that's the the, the million-dollar question, Andy, and I'm trying to figure it out myself, and I guess we're not yes. going to know until the game starts. And by no way am I trying to, to get out of this question. But, mm-hmm. look, Mark Williams is someone that uh, in the Kentucky game was making the impact last year, his final game of the season before Duke uh, had to bow out of the ACC tournament with some COVID-positive tests. Uh, he capped off his freshman year with a 23-point and 19-rebound game versus Louisville. Now as a sophomore at 7-1 with a 7-7 wingspan – He is a monster in terms of Mm -hmm. protecting the rim, protecting the glass, rebounding at all costs. I absolutely could see uh, Mark Williams being the guy that kind of tries to settle in and and take care of Drew Timmy and have Paolo himself kind of chase Chet Holmgren around a little bit and play uh, toward the basket if they decide to go uh, in that area. Mm -hmm. I think that could be something that uh, plays out. But also I would not be surprised given the way Duke has played when Mark Williams is on the bench and you're able to get – more guards out on the floor and let Paolo be the five for this team. I would not be surprised if we see Duke play a little bit more of Paolo at the five and four around him as opposed to having Mark Williams there making an impact on the interior. I think you're going to see a little bit of both. And I think it's going to det- foul trouble is obviously mm-hmm. going to always dictate how the game is played and that sort of thing. Uh, but if I had to bet, I-, I think that we probably will actually see a little bit more of Paolo surrounded by four as opposed to trying to go toe-for-toe um, toe with uh, the two bigs for Duke versus the two bigs for Gonzaga.
1: That leads right into the next question I was going to ask about about Paulo. Obviously, a guy that a lot of Gonzaga fans are familiar with. From He went to high school in Seattle at O'Day High School. He was recruited by the Zags pretty heavily, obviously chose to go to Duke. I know a lot of fans have been kind of tracking his career, watching what he's been doing. But I'm curious if you can shed some light on what type of player that he is you know, how he, how he gets his points, like what, what he looks like on the floor. Uh, Just so fans when they, when they watch this game, they can kind of say, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of what he looks like. That's who he reminds me of. That's the style of player that he is.
0: (laughs) He can really do it all. Andy, like this guy is so much fun to watch and, Uh, The fact that he even is at Duke in the first place is amazing. I sit there and think about the fact that he's from Seattle all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like In in Durham, North Carolina, I don't know that you can be further away in the continental United States. You can't, uh, being the top player out of Seattle, to find a home there at Duke. So it's been awesome to watch him so far this year. The Cameron Crazies absolutely love him. You mentioned the play that Chet Holmgren had against UCLA behind the back, going all the way to the rim for a dunk. Mm Palo had one of those plays himself earlier this week when Duke was playing the Citadel, which by no means is on the same playing field as UCLA, but the fact that it was at home in front of the Cameron Crazies for the first time this year, where Paolo got the ball, a rebound himself, up the floor, behind the back to evade one defender, gets near the rim. You think he's going to go up for it himself, but instead he throws the lob up to Mark Williams, who flushes it home. I mean, he's able to do everything with the ball in his hands. Uh, shooting, he's been able to knock down shots from the outside, which has been really impressive, shooting 55% from the floor. But the free throw line has been really what's impressed me the most, shooting at an 86% clip. I was really not expecting that from Paolo because uh, the bigger guys, more times than not, if you're not named Kevin Durant with that big of a frame, you're not going to be too great shooting the free throws. Mm-hmm. But Paolo's knocked him down, and he's shooting them, uh, attempting several free throws a game. Being aggressive and getting to the rim, so he's somebody that's going to score from all levels of the floor. The mid-range shot has been there for him, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm really thrilled with the way Paolo's been playing.
1: Not surprised about that at all. Hopefully, Gonzaga Biggs will will keep in mind to try to avoid yeah. fouling him at all possible because he's going to score wherever he gets the basketball. Sure. Gonzaga or Duke's got you know we talk about the front court a lot. Obviously, that's the most intriguing matchup here with Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, with the big men. Uh, for the Blue Devils, obviously, and Williams and Bancaro. But Duke's got some guards, too. they got some really talented backcourt players. Obviously, Wendell Moore is the most notable name there, averaging 17 per game. Uh, Really, really talented player. Trevor Keels having a great season as well. Can you talk a little bit about those two guys and and how they're going to challenge Gonzaga out on the perimeter?
0: Sure. I'd love to chat about Wendell Moore Jr. I absolutely love that guy in his junior season playing for Duke. Trevor Keels was the story nationally after the first game of the season when Duke had that number nine versus number 10 battle with Kentucky that Duke ultimately won. Palo had 22 in that game, but Trevor Keels was the bigger guy having 25 in a debut. Keels hasn't quite got up to that scoring number yet since that first game of the season. But that's been okay because it's been Wendell Moore Jr. who's picking up the slack for him, averaging, as you said, the 17 points that he is, over five rebounds, over five assists. The only player in America this season, a fun little stat for Gonzaga fans out there, that's averaging over 16 points per game, over five rebounds, and over five assists while shooting greater than 50% from the floor is Wendell Moore Jr. That's how important he is to Duke's success. He's already got a triple-double this season. Earlier this week, he had a 22.9-assist, eight-rebound game, so nearly had a second triple-double himself. Uh, Came onto the scene as a freshman in the North Carolina game when he hit the game-winning layup on a putback from a Trey Jones miss uh, at the buzzer to win that game, and his play has kind of fallen off a little bit. Last year wasn't the greatest sophomore season for him, but uh, a five-star who's finally living up to that hype as a junior. As he goes, Duke goes. His play – in tonight's game and throughout the rest of the season, through six games, I can already tell when Wendell plays well, this team's going to play well, and I think that's going to be important. And he's absolutely got to be at the top of the scouting report for Gonzaga because if I think that they, if they really want to make an impact on the game, it starts with containing Wendell Moore Jr. because he's so vital in setting up the offense for Duke
1: certainly the challenge of of going from a ucla squad where they have a lot of perimeter scores but not a lot of interior scorers to now going to a game where you have a lot of post players that you have to worry about specifically paulo and then of course you got a guy like wendell moore going to be a challenge for gonzaga defensively without a doubt jj jackson here still talking gonzaga basketball duke basketball talking about the big game Black Friday, Duke versus Gonzaga. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to discuss the stakes of the game. We're going to talk a little bit more about what this contest is going to look like at large. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. Bet Online has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball season and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Bilbar Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Bilbar Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, Bilbar Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bilbar Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to buildbar.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. All right, welcome back. Still talking. Gonzaga, Duke, still talking with J.J. Jackson, the host of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Super excited to have you here, J.J. It's going to be a super exciting game. Obviously, Gonzaga coming off this big win against UCLA. Duke's already played some really tough games as well. The big game against Kentucky. Really fun to see these teams picking up these really challenging games. It's feast week. Feast week is always fun for college hoops. I'm curious, what are just some of your thoughts about the feast week in general? These two teams might finally make making it work. They haven't played in a couple of years. Hopefully they can continue to make this a game that happens a a little bit more consistently, but uh, obviously a really cool opportunity for these two teams to square off uh, early in the season.
0: Yeah, Feast Week is great. I mean, it is Thanksgiving after all, and obviously a lot of people think about the great football that's being played, but I've always Mm -hmm. loved that you've got college basketball galore all week long. And we mentioned the 2018 matchup these two teams had in Maui, also a part of Feast Week. So the fact that neither of these teams weren't playing in the Battle for Atlantis or Maui Mm -hmm. or any of the other great tournaments that you see annually, the fact that they were still able to get a game together, put it in Las Vegas at a neutral site, Uh, To be able to have a true contest between Gonzaga and Duke I think is awesome. I have so many great memories from these Mm -hmm. games over the years. And I think we're going to have another great one, regardless of the outcome, regardless of who wins the game, which I do think this game is going to be competitive, uh, seeing these two teams go head-to-head tonight. You're going to remember it, right? And when Mm -hmm. you think about what these teams can do in the NCAA tournament, this is a game that you're going to go back to more so even than conference games because of the fact that it's played on a neutral site, which is where the entire NCAA tournament is, in neutral site settings. So, yeah, I'm thrilled that we've got a great game like this. Gonzaga coming into the game after their game versus UCLA. Duke's got another big game right after this. Come Tuesday, they'll be participating in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Duke's got a true road game at Ohio State who entered the season as a top twenty-five team in the country, the Buckeyes starting to figure some things out. So both teams really trying to figure out exactly who they are before they jump into conference competition.
1: Yeah, and like you said, JJ, you know we we talk about Gonzaga's conference slate being different uh, than than certainly than the ACC or even than the, than many of the other conferences. I was going to say the Pac-12, right. but quite frankly, uh, at this point, the the WCC and the Pac-12 are a lot closer than I think people would would potentially imagine. At least one through six is pretty comparable. After that, it kind of drops off a little bit, but without a doubt, for Gonzaga, getting these games in is paramount. I think not just for their development as a team, but also just for the exposure, uh, for the ability to really make sure that they're ready for these games in March. You know, we look at a team who who last year ran through the the NCAA tournament against good Power Five schools like Oklahoma. They went went through USC. They you know barely beat UCLA, but they managed to squeak that game out. So for me, I think it's just such a a key thing for this gonzaga roster regardless of win or loss like you said i did not expect this team to do what last year's team did which was win every single game until the national championship expecting a team to do that ever is kind of insane this gonzaga team is very very good and in a year where they weren't playing as many top 10 teams as they are this year i could i could maybe see making an argument for hey are they even going to lose a game this year but playing duke a very talented blue devils team three, two days after playing UCLA and that the UCLA game was on the second day of a back-to-back as well. So that's a, that's a tough ask. It's a gritty, gritty opportunity for this team. Who's got a lot of youth on them to really kind of prove who they are, what they're made of stuff like that. I think, you know, you don't want to talk about moral victories specifically, you know, for a Gonzaga team that can't lose too many games if they want to hold their, their spot atop the rankings. But this is the kind of game that I think both teams are going to take a lot out of regardless of how, how the final score ends up.
0: Yeah and I mean I think it's also a game that's going to be mentioned not only in the college basketball world but at the professional level as well. Andy mm-hmm. right like I'm thinking about the number of NBA scouts that are going to be at oh, this yeah. game going back and watching tape on this game. You mentioned Paolo, or mm-hmm. excuse me Chet being a, a top 3 pick at the next mm-hmm. NBA draft. Paolo's going to be right there with them I think all year long. We're not going to be able to run away from the number one debate as to who's going to be that top guy selected whether mm-hmm. it be Chet Holmgren or Paolo Banquero. So Uh, And both teams have other draft guys, right, that are going to be picked, Um, not just those two guys at the top, but uh, from a a basketball perspective, if you just like watching college basketball because you're an NBA fan and you want to know, okay, who are the next big stars for years and years to come, you're going to see a couple of them being played in tonight's Mm -hmm. game
1: absolutely and i think you know i'm always fascinated because people really like to have the 1 versus 2 debate like they I, people love it and they're gonna, this is going to be the huge talking point throughout the rest of the day it's going to be the talking point the days leading up to the game obviously uh, and i get it i mean, it's it's something to talk about it's easy to digest for fans but i think it's so I don't want to say irrelevant because being the first pick in the draft is a, you know, is a pretty monumental accomplishment. And for Gonzaga, it's it's never happened. You right. know, the highest player ever selected for the Zags was Adam Morrison. He was the number three pick in 2006. There was some hope that Jalen Suggs would potentially at least tie that, although it was pretty obvious that Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green were going to go ahead of him last year. He ended up falling to fifth in the Magic. Uh, Chet has a very, very almost, not I don't want to say guaranteed, but it'd be surprised if he didn't at least tie. Adam Morrison being picked 3rd I'd be pretty surprised if he fell below 3rd. I think I there's say. a reason. Yeah. I think there's a reasonable chance he's 2nd. Uh, I think it's going to be probably between Chet and Paolo and that's totally reasonable. Both these guys have the the types of game that is really really desirable in the modern NBA. Um obviously there's some questions about Chet's size and physicality. Some of those questions I think uh, he did a good job of answering against UCLA. Some of them are just people who look at him and think that well, that guy's not—he's not big enough to be an NBA player. And when you watch him play, you realize that he—he does—he does okay with the size that he has. But Van i think—got mm, fifty-five pounds on him, something like that. Right. Um, pretty significant size difference for a guy who's got a similar level of athleticism. So it's going to be super fun to see these two guys. I don't care who gets picked first or second; it doesn't really matter to me. They're both going to be great NBA players. But this game. for a lot of reasons is going to be a a heavily watched contest. But that's what a lot of people, uh, more casual fans who aren't super close fans of either team, that's what they're going to be looking for is which of these two guys looks more like the number one pick. And I don't know that it's relevant or that it matters to me personally, but it's definitely going to be the biggest talking point about this game when it's over.
0: For sure. And, and then, you know, we'll circle back another one before we get out of here. You, you got to go back to the coaches in this mm-hmm. one and, and the yep. great games we've seen over the years between Mark Few and, and Mike Krzyzewski. And obviously mm-hmm. Coach K has been the figurehead. He is the face of college basketball for the sport. When mm-hmm. you think coaches, he's always going to be the guy that you think of first. But he's about to step away. Right. So who's mm-hmm. that next guy? And Mark Few mm-hmm. is somebody. That's been a staple at Gonzaga for many, many, mm-hmm. many years, and it looks like it's going to continue uh, for for years to come. So, kind of the the yellow boot, vo- the uh, the talk of Coach K being the guy now, and Mark Few probably sliding into that spot because uh, Roy Williams left the sport uh, mm-hmm. this past season. Jim Beheim is on his way out in the years to come. So, it really is going to be Mark Few, Tom Izzo, some of the big names there in the sport uh, that that sort of take over.
1: Yeah, I think you know, I think Gonzaga has has modeled their program so much off uh, the the success that Duke and specifically Coach K have had of of being being good at not only bringing in one and done guys, you know, we've seen other programs that have kind of specialized in in the one and done culture. And you see how that kind of has them fluctuate in their talent level from year to year. And coach, you know, Coach Few has definitely, for a long time, they didn't have the ability to bring in one and done guys. Obviously that was kind of part of it. But but now you see a program that has a lot of guys who come in for two years, a lot of guys who are for three years, and then you're starting to see more one and done and still seeing those super seniors, the Corey Kisperts of the world. And I think Duke has done such a great job. Uh, love him or hate him. And I know a lot of Gonzaga fans have uh, negative feelings about Duke, but the the way that they have developed their program and continued to be successful while not just relying on the one and done culture, I think is is a fascinating thing in a sport that has kind of tried to rely on star power as much as possible. And so I think, you know, it's it's fitting that Mark Few will, will probably kind of take that mantle alongside Tom Izzo, like you said because I think that so much of Gonzaga's success has been in part because they've kind of tried to adopt some of those philosophies at Duke.
0: Let's see how many times we can bring up Adam Morrison in today's (laughs) podcast, because I'm about to do it again. But, you know, you think about the the 42 years that Coach K has had at Duke, what we keep going back to, what's just crazy for me to process, because I understand sports. I understand Mm -hmm. the money that is at stake, Andy, and everybody wants to win now. We're not going to see a coach get to 42 years at Mm -hmm. a school, in my opinion. I really don't think this is going to be duplicated again. The fact that you watch college basketball games and you see Jay Billis commentating a Duke basketball game, having played for the same man as the current players are, knowing that Jay Billis is near 50 at completely different stages of Mm -hmm. life than these players are, right? Adam Morrison, now in the broadcast booth mm-hmm. for Gonzaga, played for Mark Few, the mm-hmm. same coach that is now coaching all of these great players that we're talking about. Like that to me is so cool that those players can relate having played for the same man. And that's why uh, from afar, I really do enjoy watching Gonzaga play basketball because I can see 100% the similarities between the two programs.
1: Absolutely, you know Dan Dickow played at Gonzaga uh, right around the start of Mark Few's tenure as well. He had a, a long NBA career. He's now in the broadcast booth as well, doing local games. And it's funny to hear him kind of talk about Gonzaga's philosophy because he obviously is continues to be in you know talks to Coach Few and the updated and stuff. But like yeah. some of yeah. the way that Mark Few coached him in 2002 is probably a lot different than how he's coaching <laughs> yeah. now, you know. And so you kind of have to adjust because he probably remembers things. Uh, the Mark Fuse coaching style that has adapted certainly over the last 20 years. It's fun to, to have those guys back. And and certainly Duke has that relationship with a lot of their former players as well. And uh, two programs that I think are are more similar than they are different and going to be an incredibly fun game on Friday evening. JJ, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, I love the crossover theme. This is great. Hopefully Gonzaga will get more opportunities to play teams where we can do this. Uh, Obviously, uh, you never know. There could be another opportunity for these two teams, for us to get together. These two teams meet in the NCAA tournament. They're both going to be there. There's no doubt about that. So uh, hopefully that, that becomes an opportunity. JJ, thank you again.
0: Yeah, never say never to what could come in the college basketball season with these two schools meeting up. And Uh, Andy, I love these crossover podcasts that we're doing on the Locked On Podcast Network. I would encourage people while they're listening to us, uh, whether that be on the Locked On Zags or Locked On Blue Devils feed, to leave us a five-star rating and review. It means so much when you do that. And if you're listening to Locked On Zags, do me a favor. Go over to the Locked On Blue Devils feed and and give us some love over there and and vice versa. Uh, Make sure you give us some support. Uh, And thank you so much for making us a part of your day. And Andy, I'm glad we were able to do this, man.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Again, you can find the podcast wherever you find podcasts. You can find the YouTube channel for myself. I believe JJ is going to have one eventually as well. Uh, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Locked on Zags, Locked on Blue Devils. Sincerely appreciate it. We got, you know, this is the end of this week. Next week, a lot more good stuff. Not as many games for the Zags, at least in particular, but still some some fun action to, to re- recap the UCLA game, recap this game as it happens as well. Uh, check out the podcast wherever you get it. Check me out on Twitter at LockedOnZags. You can find JJ's Twitter account at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. You got to get the three underscores there in go. there. You can find him on Twitter there. Uh, thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great chance to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked on Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Stone. All right. Thank you all for listening.